0: The following podcast contains explicit language. For Popular Mechanics, this is how your world works. On today's show, China builds islands from scratch, we play a game called Stupid or Amazing, and this guy tells us how to make a podcast.
1: So it was just me at a desk in the middle of the room with my MacBook and some very high-end microphones on on shitty little stands.
0: That was, of course, podcasting legend Mark Marin, the host of the WTF with Mark Marin podcast. Mark joined the show to talk about how to start a podcast out of your garage, or in our case, we record out of our workshop. This is the first episode of the Higher World Works podcast, where we explain higher world works by taking a look at the people, technologies, and ideas that are shaping it. We'll hear the Marin interview in a bit, but first, let's go establish our presence in the South China Sea. Okay, so joining me now to talk about the news is our desk-bound foreign correspondent, Katie McDonald. Katie, thanks for joining me.
2: Hi, thanks, Kevin.
0: (laughs) So uh, I guess the big news that we want to talk about today is that China is building an airstrip on what I understand used to just be water.
2: Well, kind of. Reefs underwater. Uh, But yeah, China's building land where there wasn't any before. So
0: why are they doing this?
2: Well, so the area that they're building these... Islands is called the South China Sea, which is in between the Indian and the Pacific Ocean. Seven different countries were claiming this area, and China wasn't really able to establish their claim because they didn't have anywhere to land their boats or their aircraft. So what they needed to do was build islands for them to rest and refuel. And that's what they've been doing since January 2014.
0: Okay, so it's hard to kind of stake their claim if all they can do is like patrol ships back and forth through it. Yeah, exactly. So instead, they build their own land. How do you do that?
2: Well, it's not that revolutionary technology, they're dredging. So this is the same thing that's been used to build the Palm Island in Dubai. It's used all the time to keep shores from going away through erosion. But the process is a vessel sends a hose down below the water surface to the seabed, and it sucks up the sand in the rocks and either directly dumps it onto the location that it's trying to build land, or it puts it on a smaller boat that ferries all that Material to the area that they want to build up. And they keep building and building the sand and rocks until it finally gets above the water's surface. Immediately after that happens, they build a concrete seawall around the new land to seal it all in. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it creates islands uh, pretty quickly. Well, normally it's not as quickly as what China's doing. China's doing this in a very short period of time.
0: And what makes them able to do it so quickly?
2: So it appears that they've developed uh, a certain type of process that allows them to suck up a lot of material. <laughs> so they can deposit about 159,000 cubic feet of sand per hour, and that's just one boat. They usually have about 30 boats on working on one island at a time, so it. It's been pretty quick. They've built about seven islands uh, in a short period of time. And so
0: I guess the the other thing that seems weird to me is, I mean, I don't have any concept of how deep the South China Sea is, but it seems like if you're piling material on, you probably want to start on top of something that makes you don't have to put... As much stuff there are, they like building on. Are there already like undersea formations here or something?
2: Yeah. So China specifically picked the Spratly Islands, which aren't really islands. A lot of it are reefs. They picked this area because reefs are the perfect location. They're a little bit closer to the sea level, so you have less material that you have to dump until it gets above the water level.
0: So, are there environmental consequences to that? I feel like coral reefs are like one of the poster children for you know environmental activism uh,
2: so yeah no um reefs are they need sunlight and they're very fragile so dumping <laughs> a bunch of hard rock and sand on top of them it's it, kind of the opposite yeah it, it kills them so i spoke to a researcher at the university of hawaii and he was telling me how this is detrimental to these coral reefs which is in an area that it has a lot of coral reefs but not all of them have been studied fully so we don't Mm -hmm. know all the organisms that call these reefs their home and we're losing them yeah and given the climate change environment uh, rising sea levels mean that these islands are going to get eaten up by the ocean and then this area also has lots and lots of storms that can be really detrimental to islands that exist already so um it's extremely likely that these islands won't be around in a hundred years. Wow. All
0: right. Well, thanks for explaining that, Katie.
2: <laughs> no problem.
0: My next guest is the host of the WTF with Mark Marin podcast, which many consider to be a pioneer and one of the best examples of the medium. It's a biweekly show in which he conducts deeply personal interviews with comedians, musicians, actors, and directors. Slate named his 2010 interview with the comedian Louis C.K. the single best podcast episode of all time. Marin's also an author, and he's the star and creative force behind the IFC show called Marin, and he also still hits the road to perform stand-up comedy, which he's been doing for nearly 30 years. And I should also point out that we did this interview in preparation for our own show, so you'll notice the audio quality isn't as good. All right, you still got me? Yeah. So tell me about how you ended up starting a show from your garage.
1: Okay. Well, the garage that I work out of, you know, my house was an old house. It was built in, like, 1924, and the garage is, like, this weird, old, single-car garage sort of in the back of the house, you know, with the driveway running alongside of the house. And when I moved into this house, there was the guy before me had put some drywall up. He kind of used it as a studio. Like, he definitely recorded in there, but there was no... It was not made to be a studio. All that was up... There was drywall up, but there was still the, the old beat-up workbench and this horribly cracked cement floor and, uh, and like, these barn doors. So, <laughs> I had this idea that I would make it an office and eventually do a radio show out of there when I was on radio. I thought I could hook an ISDN line up in there. But I had no sense of, you know, sound. So, like, I it, it was going to become an office, so I started moving some stuff out there but it never really happened. So ultimately like when I got the house shortly after I put a floor in there but I didn't do it right. I just put platforms down like I didn't pour the concrete. So I just built the platform floor on top of it and uh put some linoleum tile down. It's very ugly. I don't even know why I thought thought those colors <laughs> would be good. Yeah. But then moved some stuff in there, you know, like I was going to make it something. And then my, you know, my life fell apart, and my marriage fell apart, everything. So I never got to it. And then when I started the podcast, we were in New York. And then when I moved back out here, like you, there's some pictures on my website. Like it was really, like not set up. So it was just me at a desk in the middle of the room with my MacBook and some very high end microphones on on shitty little stands. Yeah. Uh, sort of how it started, but there was still clutter around. There was a lot of lamps and a bike in there. And then as time went on, <clears throat> I kind of like, I I put a rug down in there, like this old uh, crappy Persian rug, and then I put all these bookshelves in there. And then I just basically moved a lot of stuff in, that I had in storage and all the stuff from my life, you know, into that garage, like all the
3: books yeah.
1: I ever bought and everything. So all my life is in there. You know, that's specifically... I got my house, too, but, you know, like, all this stuff, the the, the, the stuff he saved. Yeah. So so then, like, some guy, sort of towards the beginning, some guy I knew that I'd worked with at a studio had this, uh, this foam hanging around, this acoustic foam, these panels. Mm-hmm. So randomly put that stuff up in different places. Like, I put... I think there's one, two, three, four... Maybe five panels of this stuff, maybe like three feet by four feet-ish rectangles. I don't know anything about it, so I stuck one on each side of the door, I stuck one in the middle of the ceiling, I stuck one in one of the corners, I stuck one on the side of uh, the left side of where I uh, where I do the sh- uh, the recording. I don't know if it has any bearing on anything, but I think the combination <laughs> between you know how low the ceiling is uh, and all of the clutter in there. Um, you know the drywall helps, and the rug on the floor probably helps, and maybe some of this path, this this foam helps. But it's really because I think you know the sound the sound doesn't bounce around anywhere. Like you know I've got all those books in there, and I've got there's so there, there's a real sort of warm feeling to it, and it's very clean sounding. You know there's no there's no bounce to it, um, uh, and I I think it just took, I was fortunate. Uh, that it has sort of a magical element to it. But I also think that it's about the equipment.
0: Yeah. Well, so you said you had... So when you first started, you had these really high-end mics, but nothing
1: else was in there.
0: Uh, like, how many shows did you record before you started having other stuff in there, and could you really hear a difference yourself?
1: That's a good question. I, I mean, probably not. But, you know, because I really, I, I really think that, you know, the mic is the 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 deal. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Some guy referred me to these, you know, Shure S M sevens, which is sort of a broadcast standard. You know, some people sing them. They're 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 there's they're a classic mic. Yeah. I've certainly seen radio stations and, and I've heard that Michael Jackson used to sing into them. But um but they're they're great mics and they're they're very responsive when you get right up on them. They're specifically for voice. And I, I think that that is the essential part of the setup is that, you know, if you're going to do it and you want it to sound good, just spend the money on the mics. I don't think that podcasting mics generally sound good. I don't think that pumping a mic right into the computer, uh, you know, necessarily sounds good. So I, these mics are about 350 a piece.
0: Yeah, it's the SM7, you said.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then I had this, I bought this old analog mixer. It's not old, but. Uh, the reason I got it was only because when I was at the, when I was doing radio, they used to, we used to take these little mixers on remotes. And they're just this little six channel, it's a Samsung MDR six. It's an analog mixer. And uh the little things so like hundred and ten bucks. And I run that run the mics into that and then I go directly into my Mac Mini uh with a you know like RCA to three point five millimeter plug. Into right into the side of the computer and the mic hole and into garageband, you know, so I'm really recording with one channel. there's no separation of channels. There's different <laughs> ways to do it, yeah. you know, like you know you can get a a USB mixer that would line up with Pro Tools or whatever, and like you know you can get separate levels on each mic. It's just not what I do. It's not the smartest thing in the world, but it's the way I've always done it but I think the mic and the mixer makes a difference. And then I just ride the levels myself during the conversation.
0: Yeah. <laughs> how much do you think, uh, so you're talking about having like all this clutter in your garage and I mean, it does seem like, yeah, I mean, if you can't have sound bouncing off, that's great. But I mean, also, I mean, how much do you think that clutter like just gives you the mojo for the kinds of interviews you do? I mean, getting people to get really personal, being surrounded by all this like detritus from life. That's got kind of, to, be good for the, like, the ambiance or something, right?
1: No, absolutely. You know, it's it, it's sort of like, you know, uh, it, it's very cozy and very intense, though, and there's a lot to look at in there, and it's very personal. And it definitely, it, it, you know, when people come, they're like, whoa, you know, and there's something about, you know, the way it's situated where, you, you know, the best thing that can happen is, you know, that people sort of forget they're on the mic, you know, and, and that you don't get too hung up on the stuff, but it's definitely a a real place. You know, it's not a studio. There's nothing sterile about it. There's nothing you know um, sparse about it, or, or or even professional necessarily. So it's definitely a well-worn, you know, uh, place that has a lot of meaning, at least to me, and at least you know, and to people who who listen to the show. So. It definitely makes a difference. The environment definitely is conducive to to what I do, and 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 it sort of created what I do, you know, simultaneously, you know.
0: <laughs> so, uh, just two quick questions that I want to ask you about when you're interviewing. One is, like, what do you do when you're interviewing? Like, or do you ever are you ever intimidated by the subject?
1: Yeah, the yeah, almost yeah. always, unless unless I really know them. You know.
0: Right. So what do you do in that case? I mean, like, how do you deal with that feeling?
1: Well, you know, you just, you know, kind of walk into the fire. You just, you know, you, you, there's nothing wrong with being nervous. There's nothing wrong with, you know, being intimidated. You, you know, you don't have to, you, you just, I think you just be honest and true to your feelings. you I mean, you don't have to freak out, you know, in front of the person. But you you just try to, you know, engage. You know, what are, what are you going to do? I mean, you have this person at your house and However you're intimidated, it's usually just because you've got them in a place in your head that may not even be a real place. So when they're there in front of you, things tend to change. But it is a little intense. It's like going on a ride, you know. You you, you don't know what's going to happen, and, you know, you have certain feelings about this person. And, uh, you, you know, sometimes it can be very exciting, and, and they reveal themselves. to Everyone's just a person, generally. I haven't interviewed any aliens or monsters.
0: I was listening to the the Jagger interview on the train this morning.
1: Yeah. Well, that that was, you know, like, I, it was like, I I knew that it was going to be, you know, limited, you know. So, but I knew that I was going to be excited to talk to Mick Jagger's So, I'm just glad that it, you know, I, I sort of made it about me, you know. By bringing up, you know, by having Dean come over and hanging out so he could enjoy it, too. We knew that there was a limit to what we what was really going to happen there. But it was still the fact that Mick Jagger was going to be calling and that I was going to talk to him. You know, it wasn't going to be some mind-blowing conversation, but I was going to be talking to him. So that became the thing. And, you know, it's hard to figure out what to ask somebody when you have 10 minutes and, and what really matters. But, like... Ultimately, what ended up happening was, you know, by sharing the fact that I had not seen them in 30 years, and I saw that show where Stephen Gay Hawkins was, and that he remembered it, and that, you know, he then invited me to the show, where where he said, you know, you should really see us more than, you know, every 30 years. Yeah. There were some moments there that were directly relational to me, and that were fairly genuine. So. That happens. You know, it's easy, like, with those interviews, if you get, you know, too hung up on just asking questions that you're just going to get answers. So to actually have a a back and forth and engage, different, you know, different. Usually with radio and with those type of interviews where you don't have much time, it's probably a junket, you know, where they're going from one thing to the next, you know, what's going to set it apart? You know, who the hell knows? Are you going to be able to pull it off? Or you just, you know, you just want to ask questions, and and it's hard to know. You, you know, I, I didn't even know what I was really looking for. A couple of moments there I thought were pretty great. You know, like, when I asked him about Keith, it was clearly that, you know, they weren't getting along great, but they were getting along. You know, like, there was that, just the way he said, yeah, I saw him the other day, like, they're just yeah. sort of weird.
0: Yeah, I felt like you kind of got lucky that they called you unexpectedly, too. I sort of thought that, like, your energy was just different if you'd gone inside for half an hour first.
1: Probably, yeah. It definitely threw me off. There was a scramble. You know, he was just sort of like, Mark, i sorry. I thought that, you know, like, there was this weird apologizing at the beginning. And then, you know, it sounded so clear. Like, the connection was pretty sweet, which, uh, you know, isn't always the case on the phone. Yeah. You know, that he was sort of contrite at the beginning, and then he got very cute at the end, which was really kind of rewarding. He did that weird Mick Jagger charming thing. (laughs) Yeah, he totally did.
0: Well, hey, man, uh, I really appreciate your help, Mark. Thanks so much for for talking through this with me. Okay, buddy. Take it easy. All right, you too. Thanks again to Mark Marin. You can find episodes of WTF on iTunes or at WTFpod.com, and catch his show Marin on IFC Thursday nights at 10 and see past seasons on Netflix. (laughs) Okay, we're going to play a game now that we like to call Is This Stupid or Amazing? i have got two very special guests, producer of this show, Jack Dillon, and Popular Mechanics Senior Editor, Jacqueline Detweiler. Guys, thanks for coming to play. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, so here are the rules. We found a few different products in the crevasses of the internet. And we're just gonna look at each one, say briefly what they are, and then I want everybody to share their opinion on if this is stupid or amazing. For example, the first item is called the Davik Alert Umbrella. This is it looks like your standard umbrella, the short length one that you pop out with when you press a button. Mm-hmm. But what this umbrella has is a Bluetooth device in the handle that syncs with your smartphone and tells you if you're more than thirty feet away, with the idea being now you will never forget your umbrella.
4: I th- I'm going to say it's amazing already no. and th- because I had a Davek umbrella. Davek? Umbra- Davek?
0: I don't know how you say it. I, I went with Davek. Okay,
4: I had a Davek umbrella and it made me feel so cool because it has a really nice, sleek pop-out feature and then you, it starts raining and you're just like, ha, you know, it's out. And what happened is I lost it. Right, and exactly. I don't have it anymore. thing.
3: Um, I, I, have, I really can't have nice things because I lose them. Mm-hmm. I pretty much, I'll have them for maybe about a year max, and then they go away. So I actually have to this sounds like a good idea. So what happens is that like, I'm, I'm in a restaurant. I walk out the door. I forget the umbrella. You get 30 that,
0: feet away. Then what get, happens? You get some kind of alert. That says, on my phone. On
3: your phone. That says you forgot your umbrella. I feel yeah.
4: Like, I feel like the problem here is then what if it, what if it stops raining you just turn it off? Because then every time you leave your every time you leave it somewhere
0: on purpose, it's gonna. Well, but even if it you. stops raining, I mean, how did you lose your umbrella? Is it because it stopped raining and you didn't think I need an umbrella, and then you just left it somewhere?
4: Yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. This
0: is a good
3: point though, because you're saying, what if you
4: bring it to the office? What if you, you walk
3: office? out of your house in the morning and it's like, oh, you forgot your umbrella, and you're like, yeah, I don't want my stupid umbrella. Right, thanks. it's not raining. It's well, see, day. okay,
0: but that, okay, so this is my point. I think it's stupid. Although I think the story I'm going to tell is just going to make you guys think that I'm stupid, mm-hmm. which That's is that accurate. I hate umbrellas, and the reason why is that I never carry an umbrella when I need one. And whenever I need one, I don't, I didn't bring it because I don't like carrying them. So I think this is stupid because to me it's a missed opportunity because as long as there's going to be technology in the handle, why doesn't the technology say you're leaving and it's supposed to rain today? Grab me. Like I still have to think, I still have to think I'm going to need an umbrella for this to do anything for me. So
3: you want the, so you like the smart umbrella, but you want the umbrella to be even smarter. This knows the weather and it says, bring me.
0: Right. I want the umbrella to say, the forecast today is a sixty percent chance of rain. You're walking out the door. You should probably come get me. Granted, I mean, as much as I hate umbrellas now, if they also now have an audio component, I might hate, hate them, more. them more. But I do think, to me, if you're going to put any technology in the handle, have it know if it's going to rain. So the part that I'm stupid about, it's smart about.
4: Yeah.
3: Okay, that's good. All right,
4: all
0: right. What's so what's my vote next? is stupid. What's, what's your the next rate? one? Uh, oh,
4: no, yeah. I, I say I still think it's amazing. Were you swayed? I would go with
3: amazing on the, on the umbrella. I think, that's, I think that's a good idea. An umbrella that reminds you not to forget it, I think is good.
0: All right. So the next one is the Vaporware, vapr Wear D-Low Series hoodie. And what this is is a hooded sweatshirt. And in the drawstring is an e-cigarette. And it uses d Series patented e-cig hood lace vape system technology to make sure that you can have an e-cig surreptitiously as you're also looking cool and staying warm. So the, cool. yeah. I think cool is
4: a relative term here. So is, right, yeah. So the Correct. guy, this is like the draw. I like hoodies, the
0: drawstrings so. on the
3: hoodie where a, a hoodie's normal drawstrings would be. It's also e cigarette. Yes, Basically, and you pull one of the drawstrings out. You put it in your mouth, your mouth and you, and you which, puff. Which, which you vape the cigarette is, out. all the gross. time. Which is gross.
4: Which is gross. I mean, I it, put those things in my mouth all the time anyway. The, just saying. Yeah, but I, okay. First of all, D low clearly is meant to be down low, right? Like it's, you're smoking on the down low in your hoodie. By but everyone thinks you're what like. A fire breathing dragon because your vapor's coming out of your nose and you're like a gross guy that's sucking on your <laughs>
0: uh, on your hoodie strings. Gross. Like, gross. So you're Why saying you think the average person watching this will put together what's happening?
4: Yeah, yes. Obviously. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're not you're not gonna be on the D for Yeah, for it can't long. make the smoke disappear. Right. Yeah. yeah.
3: Or the smell of pot.
0: Right.
4: Right.
3: right. Um, And it does say, it it says on the website that this is for like, it's for oils and, you know, things that are not, things that are e-cigarette smokable, not pot actually, but it does say that it has a dry herb version that's going to be coming out soon. Herb? Herb. Yeah, that's right.
4: Herb. Um, I believe. I think it's like the 21st century beer hat. That like, is, this is the beer, hat, exactly the beer it. hat of the 21st century. That's a good call. Yeah. Which, and that was, that was stupid too. It was. Awesome. Yeah. Useful a yeah. You know what? It was kind of fun though. This is less fun than that.
0: Yeah. I think it is Because
3: what's really the advantage here over just carrying an e cigarette with you in your pocket that you could have no matter what hoodie you were wearing?
0: I don't know. I think the idea is that you can be kind of sneaky, but as you pointed out, you, there's still smoke. It's sort of like the, it's like the Seinfeld bald cure where you have to put an opaque cream on your head. Do you look less ridiculous now because there's a cream on your head instead of your scalp? Like it's
4: a. Yeah. Yeah, no, the other, thing is that, the other thing is that if, okay, say a cop comes and you're, you know, somewhere that, that this he's is not a, legal. <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> he not. searches you, he's like, I don't know. We right Well, it? first of all, this shirt, I'm looking at it, it says vaporware on the front of it. <laughs> and it's not like if some guy comes up to you and says, hey, like, do you have an e-cigarette full of pot? You can just throw it down the drain or like throw it uh, in the ground. There's ra- you
3: not always a do, like, drain, rip? Jackie. Come on. Oh, okay Well,
0: I think that's why they left the vowel out so you wouldn't realize that it oh, was that. Va- the like, best thing to do in that situation is cry. <laughs> FYI. Okay, so I, I think we're all in agreement, stupid. stupid. This is really, stupid. What, really if I had, stupid. what if
4: I had said that this was amazing? What would you do to me? We wouldn't invite you back for oh. the next time. Aww. We would, though.
0: I think we would invite you back for controversy.
4: Yeah. I should have. Next time, I'm going to say. You
3: could be the Ann Coulter of this podcast.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm, I'm already that. All
0: right, guys. It's been fun. Thank you. This has been the How Your World Works podcast from Popular Mechanics. Today's episode was produced by Jack Dillon. We'd like to thank Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Thank you to Sony for the studio monitor headphones that we use and to Rode for the studio arms that hold up our microphones. For Popular Mechanics, I'm Kevin Dupsick. Thanks. We'll catch you next time.